Good morning. There's a carpet up here. I'm going to get very static and get shocked. Oops. The word of God is shocking. What can I say? So, who is looking for a good 2019? Right? We're all looking for a good 2019, right? Typically, this is the time of year when we have a, a message about the hope of a future. We talk about resolutions, about how we can make ourselves better, how we can, what we can do to make the upcoming year better than maybe the last year. Last year may have been good, it may have been terrible. Either way, we're still looking for something better next year. We're all looking for that. I think I have an idea that might help us, but we're going to get to that idea towards the second half of the sermon, so you'll just have to wait. A number of months ago in the fall, Brian asked me if I would consider doing a message this particular Sunday with the focus of, of how do we get you focusing on God in 2019. I mean, quite frankly, every Sunday that I stand up here, hopefully I'm getting you to focus on God. I mean, that is kind of the job of the person up here. Um, and so at the time, I was reading Psalm 119. And if you've ever read it, it's just over and over and over again about what God, or how much the psalmist loves the Word of God. It's interesting. If we... Well, we'll get into that in a second here, but what's going to happen is I need to explain 119 to you a little bit. I think it helps understand a little bit better. There's 176 verses in Psalm 119. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's an acrostic. What does that mean? This is a, an example of an acrostic. Basically, you take the first letter of your verse and you make it into a phrase that usually, in this case, uses the, the words, uh, the letters of the word grace to make the meaning. For Psalm, 170, or Psalm 119, what it is is it follows the Hebrew alphabet. So the first stanzas, the first eight verses, because all the verses are broken up into eight packets, let's say, eight verse packets. Every verse begins with the letter Aleph. Then stands the number two, if you will, verses 9 through uh, 17 or 16 start with the letter bet. And then the next stanza is gimel, and it goes all the way through to the 22nd letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's very interesting. I think what, what God has done is shown his creativity through David. We're going to be looking at verse 105. Many of you are familiar with it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. That's going to be our theme verse as we look at how do we make 2019 a great year for us. And before I get into that, let me take a moment to pray. Father God, thank you so much for who you are, what it is you're doing in my life and in our lives collectively. I thank you that you would even call us to a relationship with you, Lord, that you would move toward us even when we were not moving toward you. I pray, Lord, that the words that I would speak today would not be mine, but rather they would be yours, that anything that I say today that is from me would be quickly forgotten, never to be remembered, but those things that are from you, Lord, would be quickened into our hearts and into our minds. 
finding fertile soil in both places, that as we leave this place today, we leave changed, looking more like your son, Jesus Christ, to a lost and dying world. By the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want you to have in the back of your mind as I go through this, the idea of lamps and lights and, and what God is doing. Lamp and light. But the first thing that I wanted to do was to explain light. I want to explain it. I mean, we all understand what light is because we see it. It's a, we can see because of it. We're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to go back to the very beginning. To Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And they say this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So what I want to point out briefly is, is this, that God had created the heavens and the earth, heaven here not meaning where he resides, but the celestial area that we call space that incorporates our atmosphere and the stars and that kind of a thing. We see a formless earth, because the earth is not yet going to be created for another few days, but the materials are there to make the earth, water, sky, that kind of a thing. And the other thing that I want to point out here is where, where it says darkness, where it talks about darkness was over the surface of the, of the deep, it's not referring to sin. Sin hasn't been invited into the world yet because humanity doesn't exist yet. It's just the absence of light. But that takes us to verses 3 through 5. It says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. God spoke light into existence. It wasn't like there was some sort of object that he could heat up, get it to a flashpoint, and all of a sudden, light existed. He spoke. Let there be light. And it was light. God is the creator of all things. He is our creator. He is your creator. He is who we have access to. That's the God we have access to. But then he says it was good. And I was a little confused. What does that mean? Why is the light good? What is it comparing it to? Because we don't have sin yet. There's no evil so why would he say that light is good? And what I think we see happening here is he's setting up the future construct of the idea of good and evil. He's giving us a framework to understand that once sin does enter the world, that we understand what is good and what is evil. And he's starting this with the first thing that he created by speaking it, light. Let's fast forward. We're going to fast forward to the New Testament. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 4 says, In him, meaning Jesus Christ, was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 9 goes on to say, There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. We see how light is critical in our understanding of who we are in Christ and salvation. Jesus even says himself in chapter 8, verse 12, 
I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light. So this may be confusing to some people who maybe haven't yet ex- accepted Christ as Lord in their, in their life. Because what does that mean? You see, when I said that sin hadn't entered the world yet because humanity hadn't invited it in yet, what that means is when God created mankind, he was in communion with us. He was able to be with us physically because we were pure, we were holy. But then we got prideful and we wanted to do things our way and we invited sin to come into the world and God, because he is holy and righteous, he cannot reside with sin. He has to separate it from himself. And so humanity got the boot. You're out. We died spiritually. We lived physically, but we died spiritually to a relationship with God. And we needed a way back, but we can't create that way. Only God could create it because he's the one who pushed us away. He's the one who has to reach out for us. We became dead in our spiritual lives. Dead things don't move. They don't turn back to God because they're dead. But he reached out to us and said, I will give you a way, a way that is satisfying to me, a way that is sufficient for me. And that has to come in the form of Jesus Christ, my son. It has to be a man because that's the only thing that's equal to humanity. But it has to be a perfect man without blemish so that I know that your sin is, is been eradicated because he had no sin. And when we believe that Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave was sufficient to satisfy God's need for restoration, we are restored. We have salvation. We are made spiritually alive again that we can call God Abba Father and we can reside with him forever in eternity in heaven. That is the gospel. Jesus said that following him will lead to life. Life equals light, and light we know is good because God said it in Genesis. The opposite is also true because he says, he who follows me will not walk in darkness. Let's take a look at an example of that because to walk in darkness is to walk in sin and death. Job chapter 18 verses 5 through 11 say this. Indeed, the light of the wicked goes out and the flame of his fire gives no light. The light in his tent is darkened and his lamp goes out above him. His vigorous stride is shortened and his own scheme brings him down. For he is thrown into the net by his own feet and he steps on the webbing. A snare seizes him by the heel and a trap snaps shut on him. A noose for him is hidden in the ground and a trap for him on the path. All around, terrors frighten him and harry him at every step. Do you see the juxtaposition of lamp and light and path in this passage? 
You see, God's word, thy word, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. But when we don't have his word, our lamp goes out. The path is dark. We trip, we stumble, we fall. We can't see where we're going. We don't know what's happening. We get trapped. We get caught up. We get confused. We need a savior. It is imperative that we have a savior. And Jesus said, follow me. The disciples, they walked with him. Physically, he was there. And they said, oh, we're going this way. Okay, we're going to go to Galilee. We're going to go to Capernaum. My feet are tired. Where are we going, God? We have the ability to follow him as well because we have scripture that shares everything about who Christ is, what we need to know. The psalmist, David, didn't have the ability to walk with Jesus Christ, and he didn't have the New Testament. All he had was the Torah, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And yet what he says is, over and over and over again, how much he loves the Word of God, how much he needs the Word of God. It's a constant proclamation of his love and need for God's word throughout all of Psalm 119. I want to give you a couple of excerpts to give you a feel for that. Start, we're going to read verses 1 through 8, the first stanza, but then individual verses moving forward. It says this, How blessed are those who, whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with the uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. And what I want you to see here is in every single verse, he mentions in some way God's word, his precepts, his statutes, his testimonies, his judgments. Whatever it is, you see it in every verse. There's 176 verses in one Psalm 119, as I said. Six. Six verses are without some of these words. Only six. 170 verses in some way mention the word of God, his testimony, his precept, his statutes, whatever it is. This is a man who's on fire, who wants to know his Lord. This, is, this was written probably over a period of time by David. It wasn't just he was going through something and he writes it down and there's a psalm. He wrote, something else happens, he wrote some more and he compiled it later. But over time, you see how he loves the word of God. Moving on, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. 17. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. 25. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. 57. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. 81. My soul languishes for your salvation. I wait for your word. 113. I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. 145. I cried with all my heart. Answer me, O Lord. I will observe your statutes. Finally, 169. 
Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. This is just a picture of what this entire psalm looks like. His love, his passion for God's word and his law. It provided comfort and life to David in this case. And it does provide understanding. He says it there in that last, uh, last verse I mentioned, 169. But verse 130 says this. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Yeah, we are the simple. His words, his unfolding words give light. Light is good. And it gives understanding to the simple. We think we're complicated. And quite frankly, to us in the horizontal, we are complicated. But to God in the vertical, we're not complicated. He understands us. He understands you better than you do. <clears throat> all right, so what? What does all that mean? How do we take that information and make 2019 a great year? What's the strategy? Well, the first thing I want to start with is a quote by C.S. Lewis. And he says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. It's a powerful quote. It's an important understanding here to understand how because we understand God, we have the ability to understand the world around us in a way that people who are, don't know Christ can't understand. They're chasing their tails. They're stumbling in the dark because they don't understand God. But when we understand God, we can see what's happening. We can understand. I'm not saying we do all the time. But we have access to that understanding. The light exposes the darkness so that you can understand. John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20 say this. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. That's what the light does. It exposes. And then if we look at the word, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's the word of God. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We can understand things because we have his word as believers in Christ. Understand that what I'm saying is having a great 2019 is having the right perspective on life. in spite of your circumstances. That's where things get tough. Because it's easy to say, praise God, when things are going well. But how often do we hear Dom say, you never know what call you're going to get. Oh, you had a baby? Great, we'll praise God with you. You lost a loved one? I'm really sorry, we're going to mourn with you. We have both paths set before us in our lives all the time. You never know what call you're going to get. And yet it doesn't matter, according to God, because it's about him and his perspective. 
Yes, we mourn. Yes, we celebrate. But we do so with the understanding that God is in control. And he sets our path. Now, to someone who, who has not yet made a decision to follow Christ, you're, you're on the fence, you're not sure who this, this Jesus Christ person is, the, the perspective you really need is salvation. You need to know him intimately. You need to accept that he died on that cross for you. He died your death and gave you access to being risen apart from your sin. Because a lot of times you don't understand what you don't understand. You're confused. But as I'm showing you, the light gives us the answer and life. You see, any answer that I might give you right now, or a friend, or even scripture itself, is meaningless to you until God starts to work in your heart and starts to open your heart and your mind. He's the one that does the work. Keep seeking his revelation. Grab on to him. He likes when you do that. I promise you. But here's a question. Has he already called to you? Because a lot of times we go through life fumbling like, well, if God would only do this, and if God would only do this, then I would know. And yet, all this talking you're doing, you might be missing the fact that he's already done some things to draw your attention to him. There's a, a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman in the early 90s called Waiting for Lightning that is one of my favorites. I'm not going to play it, uh, but there are some lyrics I want to share with you. I'm not going to sing it either, I promise you. <laughs> it says this, Somewhere in the depths of your heart, where it's empty and dark, there's a flicker of light, and the Spirit calls. But do you notice it all? Are you waiting for lightning? A sign that it's time for a change. And you're listening for thunder while he quietly whispers your name. Are you paying attention? Sometimes you just need to get quiet. Recognize that he's already been poking you on the side on your shoulder. If you're not sure, that's okay. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. It's about believing that Jesus died on the cross for you and that you rose in victory over the grave because he did. That's the new perspective for 2019 that's going to make it a great year, I promise you. When you come to know Christ, it becomes a great year. To the believer, to those who have accepted Christ, what is the perspective? Well, to grow deeper in our knowledge and our love of God. James 4.8 says this, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's very comforting. But it doesn't exist in a vacuum. We don't want to just take a piece of scripture and say, oh, well, this is what it is. There's, there's a condition here. The verses right before it say this, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Then verse 8 says to um, draw near to God. So you must be humble. You must submit, and you must resist. 
then you can draw near to God. Does that, does that mean that God won't be, have anything to do with you if you don't do those things? No, but what it does mean is that your, your experience with him will be a lot richer if you humble yourself. If you submit to God, if you resist the devil. So that's the attitude for a believer. Get a right attitude. Then, get in his word. Get in his word. I know a lot of you do this already. You have a quiet time. You get together with God. And that's great. Keep it up. There are others of us that struggle. What does that mean to to get in God's word? I I don't have time. I can't do it. I don't know what I'm doing. I was listening to a preacher just last night on television. And he was talking about people that are successful. One of the things that they do that, that makes them successful is they get started. They have an idea of where they want to go, and they take the step. They just start going that way. Are they going to be wrong sometimes? Yeah. He also said that the successful people fail twice as often. But that means they're trying something. That means they're moving in a certain direction, because they will get successful. You've got to get started. Get in his word. And so, If you're saying, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, I'll give you some ideas. How about that? This is the application part. (laughs) Brian was talking about small groups. He stole my thunder. (laughs) Worm. (laughs) Get into a small group. Get into a Bible study. We have men's Bible study on, on Saturdays. Right, check? Saturday mornings. We have women's Bible studies, I think, on Monday and Thursdays. Is that correct, ladies? Mondays and Thursdays. These are great places to get into God's word, to get in contact with other people who are also getting in God's word. Go on what I call Bible dates. What does that mean? Get together with someone, one-on-one, and start reading the scripture. You don't have to come up with these incredible insights. Just start reading the scripture. Maybe it's spouses, Parent and child. Maybe it's whole family. When I was reading Psalm 119, I was doing it with Rachel. We were texting. Hey, this is what I think about this verse. This is what stood out to me. But you've got to do it with someone. It might make it easier for you. Seek advice from the elders. Could I have the elders stand up, please? Elders. The only one we're missing is... is Uh, Dom, he's downstairs. In case you're not sure, you guys can sit down, thanks. These are the the elders of the church. I know some people might be new, maybe they're not sure. You keep hearing the word elder, elder, elder. Who is it? Well, it's these guys. They're the ones that oversee this church, that are guiding this flock. They would love to talk to you about this, to help you. I might be stepping over the bounds a little bit by offering them that way, but I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure they're okay with that. (laughs) Talk to them. Do you know we have a library downstairs? Barb does a nice job putting together a library. Wander through there once or twice. Take a look at the books that are down there. She's happy to let you take a book. That's a way to get started. 
maybe more specifically, get a devotional. Something that, that it gives you a verse and then the author gives you their thoughts on what the devotional looks like. All right? Or what it, what it might mean. Or a study guide for a particular book of the Bible or a particular concept. Do a word study. You know, grab your Bible, go to the concordance and stick your finger in and go, loyalty. Okay? I'll do a thing on loyalty. I'll look up loyalty. What does that mean? Some of the big ones, love, mercy, grace, sin. You know there's seven different words in Greek for the word sin? Because they have different meanings. We all know there's three different words for love in Greek. What does that mean? How do they differ in their usages in Scripture? Do a characteristic of God, his righteousness, his justice. There's plenty of information out there that can help you with that. The fruit of the Spirit. Take each fruit as it comes. Love, joy, peace, patience. We just looked at that in Galatians this past fall. But get started. These are ways in which you can just get started. Now, there's an important thing I want you to understand. Paths may or may not be easy just because you have a focus on God. What you see here is a pretty path. It's a path we probably all like to be walking along. That's not always the case. Sandy, go to the next one. Sometimes you have to be careful where you step because if you misstep, you end up in the water. Go to the next one. Or it's a little foggy, and you're not sure exactly where you're going, and it looks a little dangerous. I know some people in here are beating the shake because they're looking at this thinking, oh, my God, who would do that? Your God would. So go with him in it. Of course, your path may look like this one. That's hard. That's a hard path. That's a dangerous path. That's a path you have to prepare for. These guys spent months, probably, preparing for this mountain trek in the snow, making sure they had the right equipment, making sure they have food, making sure they know the path that they're taking, looking at the weather. Sometimes our path is hard. But God is there. His, lamp is for your, his word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, regardless of how easy or hard the path is. Ultimately, what we're talking about here is not just for a good 2019 for you or a U2.0, something better than last year, but it's for the world to see. You're here as an ambassador for God. When the world sees you walking God's path, they see God's path. You need to show that to them. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16 say this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your God who is in heaven. That's what our job is. Think about how a godlier you may impact the people around you. Watch how God moves through you 
That's one of the greatest joys of utilizing my gift, is I get to see how God moves through me. This isn't about me. It's about God's word. It's about his message. Getting to you. Finally, God's desire is ongoing. It's not just here and now, but it's for a future purpose. His word is a lamp to our feet, helping us here and now take one step at a time. But a light to the path to show us the direction and destination. Do you know where you're going in 2019? Do you see the destination this year and ultimately? My challenge is find where God wants to take you. Look for his path. His word is the lamp to your feet and a light to your path. May God bless you in 2019. Let's pray. Father, guys, thank you so much for who you are again and what you do in our lives. I pray that these words would, would, would be meaningful uh, and that they would be your words. I pray that as we look toward the future, Lord, that we would look at your word to see how we can be better because you change us and that you provide the path for us to follow. May we be bold in doing so, Lord, in whatever those paths bring to us this year, for good or for ill, that we might glorify your, your existence and that you would glorify yourself through us. By the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.